so, Gwen, how have you been? How is the game coming along? How's everything? Oh, um, yeah, I think the last time we spoke was only about two or three weeks ago. I mean, yeah. we're, uh, we're going like <laughs> it's the middle bit. There's a part I, I don't. How do I put this? I think the ideal dev cycle is like two years, and this is mm. much longer than a two-year project. Even without the the fact that I have to go on maternity leave, it's it's a bit of a longer project than that. And I'm, you know, you hit the part where it's like this is a lot of time to spend on this one indie <laughs> game, and I'm I'm tired of it sometimes. But for the most part, it's okay. Like we're we are making progress. We have momentum. The most important thing is that you feel momentum. And then every mm. now and then you look back and you're like, okay, here's where I was a month ago. And you're further along and you can be like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. This is moving from where we are to shipping, even if sometimes it feels like every day is exactly the same and this is never going to launch. Like, <laughs> you know, you just got to get through that middle of production part that goes so much longer than you think it will. Yeah, is that is that the general, that's kind of the general rule of development that this this you're in this stage that's just like, like, what is it that makes it take so long out of interest? That sounds like I'm giving, like, reading you in some way. Like, I'm like, well, what takes so long, Gwen? But, like, genuinely, what what is this part that kind of takes up a chunk? Well, it's not like there's a general rule for game development. It's not like every game... Uh, every, every game will have parts that take longer than you expect to a certain degree. Um, and there's things that you know, like, you accumulate a certain amount of technical debt, right? You You do things really, really quickly... Uh, when when you're prototyping and stuff, when you start a game, you get things come together extremely fast. Uh, you feel like, wow, this is going to be done in no time. Um, uh, but what you're doing is you're you're getting the game to a place where it's fun, and you're you're uh, having people play test it. And there might be bugs, and you ignore the bugs. Um, uh, and you build on you you rapidly change direction and you you realize oh this is fun and this isn't fun and in the process like your code base becomes kind of a mess because you made all these assumptions initially that you were making one game and it turns out you're making something else entirely um and then at some point you have to refactor so that's one of the things that tends to slow down productions i think is the the refactoring process the going back and being like okay a year ago when I started this game, I thought I was making a game with these mechanics, but then I kind of, you know, spaghettied coded around that to do something else entirely. And we invented an entirely different mechanic that we bolted on the side that kind of builds on this. And also, you know, whatever, whatever. And and so you end up with a, a kind of gross system that you need to burn down and re recreate. And the act of refactoring something is basically like, you spend a bunch of time uh, working really, really hard in the code. And when you're done, absolutely nothing looks like it's changed, right? So it's incredibly demotivating. Um, but it's necessary because that's how you eventually get rid of bugs. And that's how you can then build something even bigger. Which And then, then the cycle repeats. Then you build something bigger because you can, because you, you've firmed up your original code base. And maybe you, you because you're building something bigger and you're more confident about what you're making... Um, you realize you need to to add on these new features, these new areas, this new whatever, and then then all of a sudden now you're bolting things on the side again, and and it just becomes like a cycle. So that's one of the things I guess that would that would do it is refactoring. That's definitely something. That's definitely something I hit in Labrat. Um, specifically in Labrat, like all of the 
the puzzle stuff is built on the kind code base and i completely rebuilt like i completely redid that in between kind and uh lab rat and that's pretty firm like the actual gameplay is working really well um the part that i think that was majorly refactored was definitely the narrative stuff mm. uh like when i first started this game I, I didn't know how much narrative there would be um and I, I did what made sense at the time, which was I didn't know what I was making. I thought there'd almost be like a branching narrative in it at points. Um, the I, I'm almost embarrassed. Like the, the logic for what would happen was embedded in the button widget, like the object for the button. This means nothing to you. I'm sorry. No, I was uh, about to say, I don't, I don't, I, I, I do, you, sh you should be embarrassed, Gwen. Like, I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, what does that mean? Sorry. I mean, like, uh, rather than having some kind of system that says that that's called by a button, like each button had the code on it that would say, uh, like, like, it was stupid. Okay, it was just <laughs> oh. stupid. You don't need to understand more. It was just, I, I don't know a good analogy because it's too early in the morning. But like, it was bad. Was Chris. you just kind of making up your own thing? That like, was that kind of? Well, yeah, because like, I I don't. I didn't know what I was doing initially. And to be fair, the narrative is the part that came online the, the latest, and it's the part that's needed the most refactoring and the most love and attention in general. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the um, I brought in a writer who's also a programmer, uh, and the obviously is part of writing. If you're writing humor, timing matters. And so he really wanted to be in the engine, and he really wanted to make sure that, like, he wanted to be part of the, when we record the VO, because the read matters to make yeah. humor land. The timing matters. So he wanted to be there to implement an engine. And he looked at what I was doing, where I was just timing things out in a spreadsheet um, that was going into functions on a button. And he just fucking was like, no. <laughs> no, this is slow and stupid. And we can't make a whole game like this. And he actually refactored a lot of the, the narrative system. Um so let me think, how long did that take all told? Between refactoring the audio and the narrative system, I think we probably spent three months on that. Also, mm -hmm. he built, like, because he, he did completely change the audio pipeline. What I had before was fine for one person. Like, I would write, and then I would record it right here at my desk. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then I, and then I would, like, give it to uh, an audio contractor that would maybe clean it up or something. But for the most part, it was just, that was it. And it was great because I could iterate really quickly. Yeah. Um, but it was not a system unless I, you know, invite the writer to sit in the room with me while I record. You know, like it just couldn't, we yeah. couldn't build on that. So, uh, and also the quality was all over the place. My reads were all over the place. Um, and so he actually built like a little sound booth and, and we... Uh, we do proper audio recording with proper equipment in it goes into something called Reaper and all the effects before like <laughs> there's other things that were stupid. So you do know the difference between mono and stereo, right? I, I am uh, aware. Yes. Okay. So all, all audio in the game before mm. um, was two for, for the AI was two different stereo tracks that were kind of um, cause I wanted this effect how do I put it? I wanted to, I had all these, these effects on the, the VO that would make it sound like an AI. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so there was like reverb and echo and different things, but that still wasn't enough. I found the best case was to have two different reads that were timed exactly the same. And I would just blend between them so huh. that sometimes in the middle of a word, it would be like tester, you know, like you, it would just, you know, do something weird in the middle of a word or whatever. And it would blend between them randomly. Um, and I, that was how I achieved the initial effect. Um, and, and that's still what we're doing now. It's just now uh, we have these recordings in Reaper, which is a different audio software. And it exports, it applies, it, it does that um, like in, in a separate application. And it uh, applies the audio effects there. And then it brings it into engine and it just plays an engine as one mm. mono file. Whereas before... For no reason, it was stereo. By the way, I was just that was just how I recorded. Yeah. For no reason. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it and there was two files that and it this was dynamically happening in Engine. Also for no reason, I guess. Oh. I guess I could have authored that um, at runtime, and the effects were all applied at runtime. And so like, oh, this was all stuff that had to get fixed. <laughs> yeah, I mean that took some fixing. Being someone that's dabbled in the world of audio, that was definitely like even just when you're like, I did it in stereo. It was like, well, there's no need for that, but 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 well, sure, it could it could be a bigger file. <laughs> I mean, you've never hey for all of these podcasts, I've been sending you stereo files. I know time. you have, and and I have a few times asked for them to be mono, but I gave up at a point, and I just make a mono on my end. <laughs> <laughs> this is years. Yeah, We've been doing okay. this for years. <laughs> So our workflow works. I get it. I convert it to mono and then I edit. That's what I see. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that was a thing, but not, yeah, not a so, problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the per, the people I'm working with now are like, no, just record mono. Click this button. Mm. And now now you get mono recordings, Chris Slay. Yeah. Which is great. Like I've it's uh <laughs> Unless I, I've ne- anyway, that's a sidebar. You get podcasts sometimes where they mix them in stereo, and I'm like, this is just annoying for my ears. Now I have annoying feelings in my ears where they're in different directions. Yeah. I don't like this. So yeah, I think there was there was a whole thing where like when I was doing the trailer for Labrat, the uh, person that was working on it was really excited about having like music loud in one ear and the voice loud in the other ear, and no. I hated it. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, no, no, this the but is- the. The only bit of that trailer that required real stereo that worked very well was when the cable moved that bit of electricity from one bit to the other, and it followed that yeah. in an auditory way. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, because I'm watching it, and I'm hearing it, and it works in my brain. But, like, yeah, no, don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indie games don't need surround sound, VO. No. It's like when stereo first came out, and it would be like, let's have... Let's have your vocals in the left and then the bass guitar in the right. And it's like, that was cool then when stereo was new technology. But I listen to it now and I'm like, no, this sounds horrible. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sure yeah, some no. real audio nut is, some audio nut's going to come in and correct us totally. Right. And just be like, listen, there's subconscious effects in your brain. If you if just you mix very it right. subtly, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. 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 If you mix it right. But you notice it when people don't. And I find it so much easier to just go mono like, rather than try and get it perfect in a way that it makes sense. And yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Still, though, that is interesting. And it does. It seems like that process for you. And like you say, for all games, actually, it's just you're you're almost it's, still in discovery, I guess. Oh, I meant well, the whole feel like you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every yeah. every game has their their things that they go through, right? Mm-hmm. Like this was a thing that we went through and it sucked. And that was earlier this year, probably from like 
Oh, jeez. That was probably like a heavy part of March, April, May. Mm. was getting a lot of that stuff pig- figured out. Um, and there was another refactor where I actually... My writer's been doing more programming than writing. <laughs> uh, right. where we, Bonus. Extra work. We signed a, uh, yeah, well, the writing's not getting done, so that part sucks. But the, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's the problem. It's like, but I anyway, hired you for this job, and you did this other one, which is fine, <laughs> but fuck. Like, uh, uh, moving, what's another pain point? The the tech pain points are the easier ones to talk about versus the creative mm. pain points. That's why I'm starting yeah. with those. Oh no, that makes total uh, sense. Like, creative, uh, subjective. Yeah, because yeah. like, you can you can easily say like, oh yeah, that does make sense that that would need to happen, right? Like, mm. so we we send a deal with um with Xbox, and up until now, all of my um the lab rat uses a lot of stats and leaderboards and things like that, and everything was using the Steam leaderboards. So mm. we had to move to PlayFab, right? And so the process of doing that and integrating that into the narrative, because it's part of the narrative system, that was also like, I don't know, like maybe half a month, three weeks, maybe three weeks of work with wow. like some part-time work here and there afterwards. Mm. And that's just so, yeah, redoing the, an entire leaderboard system. It's just, <laughs> exactly. Well, see, this is my understanding of it. Like, yeah, in my head, I'm just sort of like, oh, you just click a button, right? Go Import stats oh, no, no. from .xml. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, setting it all up and stuff. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. No, I have no idea. I'm yeah, not saying it... I'm correct. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just like, it's hard to explain. Mm. These things, the, the most frustrating slog of development is when you're doing this stuff and it's so unfulfilling because there's nothing to show for it because if you do it right, nothing has changed. Yeah. And it sucks, right? Um, and yes, in the end, what you'll end up with is a product that has fewer bugs mm. and that is, you know, that you can build upon and, and make better. Like now we can do so much more. Right. Um, or a product that can be in the Xbox in the case of, of the, the PlayFab thing. Um, but it's not fulfilling. I can't sh- I can't tweet about it. You know, can't make a I can't tweet it. like look, yeah. at this, look at this JavaScript we wrote and and now nothing's changed in the game like it's not exciting so so yeah it's this year in general has been a a lot more of that stuff and a lot less of the creative stuff which is kind of you know not fun yeah i can see that like you say though you you end up with a better product at the end of it thanks to all that work so yeah absolutely the audio quality is definitely better and and like Mm. everything is uh, like a better product in in different ways too like does it matter that at runtime I was blending together two stereo files versus one mono file. Um, does that affect? Because I was wondering, does that affect like performance? Because it's, or is that not? Would that not even be a factor in any way? It would affect performance in a small way, mm. in several small ways. Uh, for one thing, that's not the only reason we moved over to Reaper and rewrote stuff. Like oh, again, there was the pipeline yeah. issue of like integrating <laughs> another person, um, which I could just go into is like. As soon as you bring somebody on, there's a certain amount of time you lose to onboarding and stuff that you just have mm-hmm. to account for. It's, you can never just plug someone in and be like, now it'll be twice as fast. <laughs> Shit just doesn't go that way. So good and anytime a team it? grows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, iteration drops every time you add someone to your team. I could bitch forever. Mm. But like, as far as just does having two, um, does having two stereo files versus one monofile, what's the difference? I mean... <clears throat> So there's the space on disk, which is the yeah. biggest thing. That's what I was thinking. It's four times like... as much space. And our, yeah, and our game is like 
surprisingly, audio is a huge part of the amount of space yeah. on disc from for a game because uh, there's a shit ton of it and not much else. Uh, so that's that's a big thing. Another big thing would be like the. Um... Oh, shoot. Well, I think with Unreal, there's only so many sounds that can play at once. So you got the mm. music and you got different sound effects when a laser is hitting something and a different different stacked sound effects. And if you just play like like you can't play 80 wave files at once. Oh. Um I mean, it makes so, sense, I guess, but... Yeah, so... Well, it's like, a, this, it's like this doing a... One from that. It's like working on tape, where you've got to bounce everything down into a single file and stuff like that, and... Is it kind of like that? Like, if you have 80 sounds, you just have to bounce that down into, like, six files, as opposed oh, yeah. to... <clears throat> so you can play, like... So in Unreal, there's the concept of a sound cue, which is just, like, um... Maybe... How do I put this? When you hear somebody... When you hear footsteps in a video game... Mm. Um... You'll hear, it's not like every time the player, every time your character steps down, you hear the same footstep, right? Like you hear random sounds. Uh, So what will happen is there's one sound cue that's played each time. It'll maybe randomly select between, I don't know, 10 10 different wave files. And maybe it'll layer it in. Like maybe it'll blend between two wave files to kind of create a unique sound. So you never quite hear the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a single sound cue might be playing uh two files right yeah i think uh, initially our audio guy didn't consider any of this stuff and he was like blending the loads of stuff so like when you click a button there'd be a ding and a whistle and all this other stuff and we'd have like six wave files playing when a single sound cue happened and i had to be like yo because at some point for optimization reasons unreal will drop it'll just not play them after a certain i think Mm. we pumped it up to about i think i pumped it up to 20 something but like we can have twenty something wave files playing at once, yeah. Uh, and I had to be like, yeah, mix that down. <laughs> like, do you need that to do sense. this? It's like, no, I, I just didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I just literally thought this was fine. <laughs> like, yeah, that makes sense. It was a this was a much bigger deal in kind when we were blending all the stems together. Oh really? Because that's very like again, audio is kind of a big thing of that game. Yeah. So like there'd be eight different um, stems to a single soundtrack. So that took eight sounds out of the possible possibility space of sounds. But I also mm. didn't have VO in that game, you know? True. I, there, there's probably other stuff for, as far as performance goes, too. It just makes sense to just... If you can do something ahead of time, why do it dynamically runtime in engine? Yeah, that because that was that was the part that I thought. Like, well, if, it, if it's having to computize something, then that's probably going to take up more of whatever memory or CPU or however this thing works in actually rendering the video game. So that makes sense. And so you're still kind of deep in that kind of process at the moment where it's still refining and... Uh, yeah, we, we do know how the story ends. Um, we know the... from How do I put this? Very early on, we had to figure out kind of like the arc of the story. Um, and that was like... That was important to... Because a lot of that informs the puzzles, and the puzzles also inform that. So, like, the last... like I don't want to make a game where you you play cutscenes, where or, like, there's cutscenes between puzzles. For a lot of this stuff, I want you to play it and experience it as a puzzle. And so, to some degree, that had to be figured out much earlier on. Um, because the puzzle design was the first thing that happened, before even the art or anything else. Uh, so the, the basic structure of the story is definitely in. The actual writing, like, the words that are said... Um, the you know the nitty gritty details that that part was the part that's not quite fleshed out yet. 
Nice. Okay. Yeah, I I super agree with you on uh, not just having cutscenes and then a puzzle and then cutscene and then having a puzzle or something like that. Mm. I'm never a fan of that kind of a thing myself. Like you can get brilliant cutscenes. Don't get me wrong. And I used to I I, I will love a cutscene, but like. If if you can tell me it in the video game that I'm playing, that that is the ideal medium for me. So yeah, agreed. All right. So like, how do I put this? Like some games, I think there are there is something to be said for a lot of games having as kind of a cadence where you you have the part of the game where you're doing the gameplay and then you have a kind of like a, a rest period, especially for really intense games like. Obviously, if you're playing a competitive game like a Rocket League, you go into Rocket League, you know, you 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 got three minutes of game time <clears throat> and then then you're kicked out to a leaderboard screen and then then you're like waiting for people. And so you kind of have like that breather in between things. But you also see this in single player games. You see in things like Darkest Dungeon, you go into a dungeon and then you come out and you have your time where you're kind of like uh, you're you're sorting your people and you're you're distributing gear and upgrades and stuff like that you get this with uh rpgs so like in mass effect you go you you've got your times when you're shooting stuff and you're doing and you have narrative as part of those missions but you also have times you're exploring a citadel or some kind of quest hub and you've got that kind of breather time and i think there is something nice to having a kind of a an emotional cadence of like now i'm doing something kind of intense that's making me think a lot and now i'm like you know happy or whatever but i i do think either way neither one of those should be cut scenes Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that's the part that's the part that matters. They should both be gameplay. I think there's something to be said for having kind of like different states to your game to have different to have a different kind of cadence and a different feeling, but they none of them should be an experience that you just watch because to me that feels lazy. Um or dated, I guess. That was like before we understood what we could do with games. That was more common, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I I mean I even prefer like I feel the first time I remember this being a thing was Half-Life 2, where there's a cutscene happening. Like, I can't really super go anywhere or do anything, and characters are talking. But I can move around, I can look at who I want, when I want, and it feels more like I'm in the the world. Like, something's actually happening. Like, the best example of that, I think I've talked about this a million times, as a bit that made me think, oh, video games are cool, was... Uh, when Dr. Kleiner and I think Barney were both talking about something and going into a lot of scientific detail. And I just mm -hmm. remember I turned to Alex and she kind of did a little like eye roll, like ugh, with a smile Look at uh, when I looked at her and I was like, that's something to which I, I might not have looked at her. I don't know. Like I just looked round and that, like that wasn't the focal point of that moment. But I looked around and she went like, these guys... They, they sure go yeah. on. And I was like, they are going on. And it's little <laughs> things like that. Like I was playing God of War recently and norm whenever it normally, there are cutscenes in that game, but you also have lots of bits where just it's delivered by you just sort of being there in the game, which I prefer. You can, so what do you do in God of War? Like, can you interact with people at all? Can you, or is it just like, you like that you can walk around and it's more of a, how do I put it? Like theater in the round. You're, you're walking around a scene that's happening. Yeah, you get a lot of that. And also a lot of interactions are happening between you and your son. So it's conversation just while you're like, there's a, they, they do bits where it's like, okay, we've got to get in this boat to get from here to here. But that is going to be the set bit of time where you, a certain conversation is going to happen. 
But while that conversation's happening, not only am I hearing it, but I'm also driving a boat. Like I'm, st- I'm paddling a boat and steering and moving and looking around the world and seeing stuff that it's pointing out to me. And so I feel, and that's not said, there are definitely cutscenes in God of War. Like they do happen, but at least they're not, they're not too long. They're the little segments. And then it will have bits where it's like, Almost like a quick time event, but without a fail state sort of a thing. It's just like, just press circle or something like that. Even that, I prefer to just like, uh, just sit and watch a video. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> Basically. <Yeah. laughs> oh, you know what I also don't, I don't like while I'm here. While I'm here, Gwen, on my <laughs> box. Um, I, I've never been a fan of big bits of text in games. Like, you know, like, uh whenever the law is the because this was when i think bioshock was the first time i thought oh finally where it would just i know people don't like playing a tape at you but i massively <laughs> prefer playing a tape and hearing a bit of voiceover while i'm still doing whatever running I and wanna, gunning and doing things yeah. whatever i want to be doing and it's it's acted which i prefer like i'm a big voice acting fan like i love all of that so that's all good but when it's like i have to stop and read a book within a game not for mm. me like i am not i'm like There's- Anyway. There's definitely a cohort that gets way into that. Yes. If you have, yeah. if it's, if it's like a book that's optional to pick up in like a, what's a good example? Uh, like various Skyrim's RPGs. Skyrim's quite good. Like, sure, yeah. They got actual like, books, but yeah. But yeah, in the, but the actual quest stuff that you keep that snappy, I think that works pretty well. Because then you get the people who want the lore who go and like collect all the frag, the chapters yeah. of the book and like piece together the mystery of this story. Uh, but yeah, that's that's actually a pretty small cohort. I think that really really love that sh- that stuff. Mm, it's a larger right. cohort in RPGs, which is why you see it there. But... Yeah, it's something, and I haven't played it yet, and I'll probably talk about it in the next episode because I'm gonna play it. It's something I'd heard about Deathloop was that there was I, I forget it might have been the Besties review of it, but it was there was a review of it that said that there's a lot of stuff that's all in text that you have to go into menus or something to read in order to really understand what's going on exactly and to kind of get the whole story. And I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, I, I literally was watching it. I was like, I don't want to read. Like, I just want, just give me the, I'm playing a video game. Give me the, I didn't, I'm not reading a book. If they're doing it right, the vibe and the feel and the, the major story beats are there regardless of whether or not you do the reading yeah. and the backstory. Yeah. And that's usually... Like, you don't even have to listen to the... You don't have to listen to any of the audio logs in mm. Bioshock to understand the story. It just adds that's flavor. That's very true. Yeah, that is all flavor. So that's what I'm hoping. But yeah, mm. I think it's... Uh, to your point, I very much agree. And if I if I can be... If you have to have a bit where people are talking, let me be in it. Like, be a part of it as opposed to just observing it. Because they feel like mm. they're just two separate states that I've been pulled into another I don't... thing. Yeah, I think cutscenes are just generally dated. I just don't think you see them much in games in general. That well, I guess that's not true. You still see them sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I, because I know a lot of people will complain about like trailers when they are CGI trailers, mm-hmm. and I, I never, have a problem with them. If it, if it's I don't a like nice... trailers, I don't like trailers that have nothing to do with the game or don't show gameplay footage. You know, sometimes I. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes it's just like, I, I, I think it, the, maybe this is just me reframing it in my head. So I was like, this is fine. But sometimes I just watch it. I'm like, that was just a cool bit of art. Like I just watched a really cool thing. Like that was yeah. nice to watch. 
So, but then you could say the same about cutscenes, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah, I, to me, it's just like it's so disconnected from the product, and I, I, it's not the kind of games I like. I don't like those massive AAA games necessarily that are yeah. that are like you generally see that kind of stuff like around. Um, shoot, what was the last one that really made me laugh? It was a Gears of War E3 thing that was just like a, ch- a 3D chick's face, like oh, screaming God. and doing different yeah. faces. It's like cool. You made some art. Yeah. I don't. This is Gears of War. I know nothing about Gears of War, but I don't think it's about this chick. And what the hell? <laughs> also, this was always Gears of War is the classic with the Mad World trailer where it was just like, oh god, guys, on the Xbox 360. If you remember that one. Where yeah, it... but like, is that capturing a feeling that I'm actually no. gonna get in the game? That was it. Like, that was always so good. Does this have anything to do with the game? Like, yeah, is no. this? No, it's just marketing. It's just yeah. like we we ran the numbers and we need to spend, you know. Three million on marketing for E3, you know. So here's what we're gonna do. Or, I don't know. Thing. I'm forgotten. I have no God. idea what budgets are like at that level. That's not gonna be three million. I'm just being ridiculous. But like, I forgot. What would a trailer cost? I bet the trailer. That trailer. So it was a slow trailer. It was about a minute mm-hmm. long. It was just a chick's face. But I mean, the slow stuff where you're looking at like muscles and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So if they hired Blur to do it, I bet that would be. 60 seconds? I don't know, like 100,000 maybe? Ballpark? And literally maybe. all I thought when I watched it was just like, so when's this going to finish? Like, <laughs> like, that was it. I was like, when are we going to get to the bit that's actually anything to do with Gears of War? Or Gears, as it's called now. And, yeah. Uh, Is yeah. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. Gears now. Just Gears. Just Gears? Oh, no there's... more of War. They are merely the Gears now. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, di- I didn't... That was one where I was just like... It's a difficult I guess... trademark. Maybe they just yeah. want to flex that they could trademark a single word in the game yeah. name. Because that's it's impressive in a way. Like, yeah. they globally trademarked Gears. Yeah. I wonder if that's like Shit. a contextual uh, one where it's like, we've trademarked Gears, but in the realm of a name of a video game. Like, well, it would have to be. Yeah. It would have to like, be for like video games and software, uh, yeah. which is, I don't know how it works globally. But yeah, that's a, that's a flex. It Microsoft. Is. They have Microsoft money. Yeah, that that, I mean it's E3. I if it's Microsoft are doing it, Sony. The whole point of Sony's presentations at E3 always feel like it's just look at all this money we got. We got all this Sony money. Look at us, we're Sony, <laughs> and they got a ton of money. It's like all oh, right. I wonder what cool. those budgets are, because like I can't even like, napkin math it really. Like no. I that I said it was like maybe a hundred thousand for sixty seconds of a Blue Lair trailer, but I don't know if that's true. Like I have no idea. Like how much does it cost? I was watching, uh, my, my husband was watching football the other day, and I saw a, mm. a, a trailer for Far Cry 4 during football. And I'm like, what's a spotlight? Like, how much does it take to get a American football? Sorry. Uh, how much does it take to get, like, a, a commercial yeah. on TV during American during football? the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, it, that ain't going to be cheap. No. Uh, like, it makes you wonder. But, I, I mean, these are the kinds of things that are, like, like I don't watch football, so that's not for me. And I, my nerdy little strategy games don't generally advertise in the in, you know, during generally, the NFL. And, no, that's a, that's, I mean, even like in the realms of civilizations, that they're probably not. Civ's probably not going to get a big NFL spot like on Monday Night Football. They're not going to be like, yeah. this is our audience. We kn- we know <laughs> they're going to enjoy grand strategy. The people people talk about the percentage of your game that you should spend on, or sorry, the percentage of your money that you should spend on marketing is a constant mm. conversation, right? Mm. And then people are like, I'll spend this on marketing. I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Because <laughs> like, I don't think, 
there are things that are effective perhaps but the the things that are not effective are like getting a really sweet 2d trailer for instance like mm. uh, i've seen a couple trailers recently that are uh, 2d animated beautiful trailers and then they cut to the game that is nothing of that just none yeah. of it in the actual gameplay and and i'm like wait is that a cutscene in the game or is this just like you thought you had to spend this much on a trailer so you did yeah. because like I'll tell you that actually turned me off as a strategy gamer from the strategy game, and now I'm just confused. Like, is is a common feeling I get? So, no, but maybe I, I'm wrong. I agree. No, maybe I, I would maybe completely agree. My, one of my least favorite things is I'll go through like the Xbox Store or the PlayStation Store, whatever, and then it, there's a nice bit of art, and then I get to the game, and the game looks way worse than that bit of key art that they had. Like, the, the mm -hmm. art downgrade is like... And it doesn't even matter if it's a good game to me at that point. Like, I've just seen it and gone, oh, that looks... That doesn't look good. Because I'm immediately why, comparing it. Yeah, see, this is why people look up streamers playing games before they buy them now, rather than looking at trailers. Because the trailers mean nothing. Like, mm. we've been... And I think we've let that take over some... Some indies have let that take over, like, the AAA indies, I think, too. And uh, I don't know if it's a good thing. Like, it's not how I buy games. But whatever. No. I'm not the mass market. So, I yeah, I, I do agree with you as well. I've definitely seen trailers where it's like a really nice animation, and then the game is isn't does not look like that. And yeah, it's an odd an odd choice. Like you say I, I can reframe it where I'm like, well, it was a cool bit of art, but if it's kind of the first foot forward, the same as like that key art where I click on something and I'm like, oh, I've 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 judged the book by its cover as I should because it's its cover. That's what it's for. <laughs> And then I've opened it, and then I've got oh, it's no, it's nothing like that whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's all well and good. I think early on when you don't have the gameplay to show, uh, hmm. you show like something that captures the vibe and the feel you're yes. going for. Yeah, I but get I still that. think it should. Yeah, like I, I still don't get the idea of like using cartoons to sell games that are not cartoons, for instance. Like if you're doing if you're paying a a, a marketing agency to do like a two D minute long cartoon or two minute long cartoon about your game and then that's not in your game you have no 2d in your game whatsoever i'm confused yeah like i don't <laughs> i don't get why you did that but whatever uh gwen we should probably wrap this up uh well i think that would make sense i do have things to do um god i have a lot to do thanks for talking to me chris light not a problem thank you gwen this has been gwen frey and chris light and you've been in the dialogue box